occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 76. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses on this sweaty hot day. It's extremely warm. It is. I'm sorry to patrons for me looking like I've just come out the shower. I am again completely nude. <laughs> what are you talking about today? Today, I don't know because I haven't unlocked my computer and I've forgotten. What are you talking about? I'm talking about liminal spaces. That sounds great. I will be telling you about the Circleville Letters, which is basically a juicy gossip girl of the 70s. Also, news, we got brand new mics. True, we did. Here they are. It's this tiny thing, if you can see us. Yeah, you'll actually be able to see us now on Patreon rather than us hiding behind metal contraptions. Yeah, same with the clips we post. It's weird. I feel honestly very naked. I'm kind of nervous. Yeah, I'm to used look to at you. <laughs> I'm used to hiding behind that contraption. Yeah, usually I can just see like a tiny bit of your face through the arm of the mic. That one tiny piece of eye. But now it. I can just see your whole face. And I have so much what am I supposed to do with my hands? Move them. Not too much though. Just an appropriate amount. Yeah. I don't even have to be close to the microphone. Not like an Italian. I'm very stressed out. Okay. <laughs> it's all okay. I have more news, but it's the weekly news. All oh, right. Okay. That's scripted. That's so an that's acceptable good. amount of news. So from unexplained-mysteries.com, of course, the only place we get our weird and wonderful wacky news from, I have learned that strange things are happening on the Wirral. The Wirral is in near Liverpool? Yeah. For those not around here, the Wirral is just across the River Mersey from Liverpool. Like, we can see it. It's, it's super close. It takes, like, five-minute ferry, if that. It's in the northwest of England, for those that know even less about England. Over there, they have a few touristy things, from a German U-boat museum to lovely beaches. And, of course, a ghost face surrounded by flames that torments the land. Oh, yeah. maybe I'll pay a visit. But you didn't know that. It all started many years ago, just before Halloween, on Saturday the 29th of October in 1887. A local reported that they'd seen a face smeared with phosphorus to give the appearance of a ball of fire. Sometimes the ghost was wearing a long military coat, but it didn't have a habitual dress code, and sometimes it would wear a rubber dress coated in grease. Ew. Yeah. That's pure style. <laughs> Can you imagine how quick you go down a slide? Haute couture. One local said it had devil horns and was laughing. Something they could all agree on, though, was the stench of sulphur that came along with every sighting. Stanky. Smells like farts. Stinky ghost. Me. Stinky ghost. <laughs> Police were like, what do we do? They set a curfew at the time and attended every scene that the ghost had appeared at, but to no avail. The ghost was never caught. Sightings have been sporadic across the years, but still do occasionally crop up. So, if you're going to Birkenhead in the Wirral, just be sure to avoid anyone in a greasy rubber dress. You know, honestly, I think you would do that anyway. I would like to think that if you saw someone in a greasy rubber dress... You would ask them for directions. You'd be like, they're obviously a local. 
That's a terrifying person. You wouldn't go to a new foreign land wearing a greasy rubber dress. If you're wearing that, you are from there and you can give directions. Should we get into it? You got anything else to say? No, no, that We've was covered it. the basics. It's sweaty when we got new mics. It is obscenely hot. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Also, I hope it sounds okay with the new mics. This is our first episode with them, so we'll just have to see. Well, we'll see, won't we? Yeah. So today I'm talking about liminal spaces. Sources are aesthetics.fandom.com, thevagornia.com, theludlowgroup.com, Muse Magazine, wolvesweekly.com, Board Panda, and Backrooms Wiki. Jesus Christ, you sound like me in episode two. Well, because I'm talking about a concept. So this is, first of all, going to be a bit of a bizarre, vague kind of idea. It's more of a concept rather than an actual story. So, But you can't wait. And it's also going to sound like I've smoked something really funky. So if you don't want to listen to this and you want an actual story, please just skip 20 minutes ahead and you'll listen to Kate. <laughs> I want to know, have you written funky in your notes? I wrote funny. But then I just ad-libbed it. You just jazzed it I up. thought it was going to be better if you I said like, Ooh, funky. Ooh, you know what will make this episode really worthwhile? Yeah. So, Kate and everybody listening, picture this. It's late at night, and you're on a walk. It's raining gently. You see a park in the distance. A children's play park, not like a wandering on a date picnic park. It's slightly foggy, and the streetlights surrounding the park light it up gently. As you head closer, you see raindrops on the play equipment, and nobody is around. Alternatively, if you've never been to the park for some reason, you're inside of a shopping mall. It's completely empty. Soft music plays over the speakers, maybe like old music. It's also 4am and you can almost hear the sound of people, but there's nobody there. Do you feel afraid or nostalgic? I don't feel either way. You're strange towards this because I showed Kate pictures of this earlier so she understood what I was trying to say. Sorry, can you hear that seagull? There's one seagull screaming. I'm hoping you can't hear it. I was just going to ignore it. <laughs> now we've addressed him. Good God, I hope you can't hear that because he is annoying. Yeah, well, most people feel some kind of way towards it. And some people feel neutral and you clearly feel neutral. Um, I feel kind of warm towards it. I feel like I could have a good time there. You know what I mean? I don't feel particularly nostalgic because I've not been in that environment as a child. And I don't feel scared, but it's just kind of like, huh, I feel quite content. Fair enough. So those are liminal spaces. So a liminal space, really, like what it actually means, is that it's a transitional location. So it's kind of the place between other locations or states of being. Is this like what we were talking about with service stations? Yes. This is exactly what we were talking about with right. service stations. Because service stations are a bit booky. I'm not going Yeah, lie. exactly. So when you visit these places, time kind of feels still. Yeah. It's like... You're not real. No. It's like the place isn't real. You might feel a bit unsettled or like kind of happy in like a strange way. I feel like, like how I imagine death would be. Oh my God. I feel like, <laughs> right, this is an obscure reference. This is an obscure I, concept. It's okay. I hope you're all ready for it. Doctor Who. When the Cybermen were coming through and they were ghosts, do you remember that there was one scene and there were loads of them and like you could see loads of them at once? You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? They were all just kind of wandering around. Everyone was like, it's my granddad. Yeah. But when there was, like, that shot of, like, all of them just kind of, like, passing each other and whatever, you know, being, like, silhouette ghost things. Mm -hmm. That is how I feel when I'm in a motorway service station. I get that. It's like you're not real. It's like nothing is real. 
Mm, not that far. It, no, it's like time isn't happening. I'm normally chowing down on some KFC gravy. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, images images of these places have become increasingly popular, like on social media, um, because people present other people with images, and the people who see the images can discuss whether they recognise them and how they feel, basically. Okay. So I've seen it on like Twitter. I've seen TikTok trends of people being like, "These are places that feel nostalgic but scary." You know what I mean? Are we going to do that right now? No, but we could. Let's do it. Okay. Um, I don't have any photos to show you, though. Oh, good. Um, can we just... Can I keep going and then we'll come back to it? Yeah, sure. We'll do it as a little Patreon exclusive. Oh, my gosh. Oh, what a nice time. Okay. Sorry, continue. Okay. Anyway, so when you visit these places, time doesn't really feel very real. You might feel a bit unsettled. You might feel quite safe. You might feel familiar. But... Many people also report that they visited these places in their dreams before. Or they have weird memories of the locations, but they've never actually visited them. Or they have no memories of visiting them. Well, So these kind of places aren't traditionally liminal spaces, because a lot of them aren't actually transition spaces. It's like a park or somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what makes a park transitional? Well, it's not. But it's kind of like... You know when people start using a term online, for example, and then other people who don't fully understand it start picking it up and start applying it to similar things. Like every 13-year-old girl on Tumblr using the word wanderlust. Yeah, exactly like that. (laughs) And it's like, it's similar, but it's different, but now it kind of means the same thing because everyone thinks it means one thing. It's like Google being used as a verb to Google something. Yeah, like now it's kind of seen as a liminal space, but it wouldn't traditionally mean that mm-hmm. in the in the idea of what it actually means, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. But I want to also talk about them because I find it kind of strange because I find most of these images extremely unsettling or like I've visited them in my dreams. You are unsettled a lot. True. <laughs> but why? Why is it that when I look at a photo <laughs> of a very specific mini golf place, I have palpitations? Explain. You hate golfers. No, no, I don't. I don't hate golfers. I love mini golf. You hate golf clubs. No no one hates... No, I don't hate golf clubs. That's a very specific uh, hatred. So because these are becoming popular online, there's always been like, you know, some kind of discussion over it. Like I remember people discussing on Tumblr in like 2012. Why does it feel so strange when you go to like a rest stop? And it's like, you're right. Yeah, a rest stop, service station, same thing. Don't call them rest stops. We're not American. Well, people would always discuss how these places feel extremely weird. Little chefs. Yeah, it's (laughs) like if you're at school after hours, if you're at the airport really early in the morning, Mm. empty train station, it's like time isn't passing, but it is. I just feel very at peace. Yeah, it's like nothing bad's going to happen, but... You just feel kind of off. Like something's wrong. I'm normally worried something bad's going to happen. It's but like I if think you woke up, <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised. What? That's how I would describe it. If you woke up? Yeah, like, oh, oh I was dreaming this whole time. Oh, fair. This is also the case for like long hall- like hallways or corridors for some people. Um, I get it in um, hospitals. Yeah. When you're walking down like, to, I don't know, a ward's hallway. It's weird. Big car parks. Mm. Petrol stations at night. I fucking hate petrol stations. <laughs> okay. if, if I could fuel my car on rage alone, I would do it because I detest petrol stations. They scare me. 
That's very interesting. Mm. Well, these are places where it feels like you're kind of in a dream, I think. So the aesthetic of this has become popular because everyone's always found places like this strange. You know, you're looking at like a picture of a school at night. It's confusing or like an empty playground at night because it's kind of like this. That shouldn't exist. Yeah, it's just it's somewhere that you. you shouldn't be. Well, yeah. And also like these places, transition places, they tend to be busy because that's what they're for. You know what I mean? A hallway is supposed to be busy. A shopping center is supposed to be busy. If you're looking at it and it's completely empty, it makes you uncomfortable. Did you ever go see a late night viewing at Blue Water's cinema with me? Yes. Shout out to Blue Water. Because all of the shops are closed yeah. and you come out of the cinema and the entirety of Blue Water, which is like a large shopping center in the South, was entirely empty. Yeah. And there was like, small amounts of lighting on it was horrific well that's what it's like it's like you're confused because you're like well this space is supposed to be busy it's like something feels off that's kind of the theory behind it i think it. it's just yeah i think it's just like you're not supposed to be here like you're not supposed to be in an empty place because like it should be closed well also the uh, there's an idea that it's because they aren't fulfilling their purpose so if you're in a service station and it's empty it's confusing because you should be surrounded by people if you're in a public place why is it completely empty why is the school empty yeah i get that it's like if you're the only one in a restaurant yeah it's weird you feel odd so if you're struggling to grasp why this might be weird it's like when you're awake in the day and you take the lift you get in the in the elevator Ew. and it's completely normal. The There's people around in the hallways. The sun is out. You can hear things. But if you get in the same lift, what? There is no one in this building. <laughs> this lift is anyone. this whole building that we live in is a liminal space. <laughs> but if you get in the same lift at like four a.m., even if you feel safe because you live there, it's gonna feel off. Things are gonna feel really weird, for no real reason. See, this is what I'm thinking. This is why I'm thinking it's not because it's not fulfilling its purpose i think it's just because you shouldn't be there like you should be asleep you shouldn't be in school when it's like empty because you should be at home you shouldn't be in the playground at night because you should be in bed because like that's yeah. where you've been that's fair enough well people theorize that images of this has become popular online because of the odd sort of cult memory of millennials and gen z groups and obviously this is probably with um Every age group, but I think because people in these age groups can share things more often on like social media, it's become, an, become a bigger thing to talk about online. So people seem to experience the same memories from childhood or partake in very similar activities, even though they were raised in completely different locations. Hive mind. Hive mind. Hive mind. I have been preaching hive mind now for years. Yeah. Well, I wrote, this is a bit of a tangent, and I'm sure it's happened to other people, but it is a bit odd that children all seem to act the same and a lot of them have similar memories or the same memory that might not even be a real memory. I can give you one and example. And Kate and I call it the children hive mind. <laughs> I can give you one example off the top of my head. When you were at school, did you ever hear that rumour of that boy that rocked back on his seat and cracked his head open? Yes. But people get it with everything. I see, I see TikToks and it's a really weird empty ball pit um i'm like oh i remember that that's weird and i check the comments and everybody is like i've been there 
And I'm like, I don't think any of us have actually been there. I don't think that's true. I think we've all come up with this weird idea that we've all been in the same ball pit. It's crazy. Why? It is crazy. It's the, it's it's. So I mean, it's just more of a concept than it is like a story. It's more just a, a casual discussion. Kids I guess. are all linked, man. Kids have got one hive mind. If yeah. you talk to one child and ask the other what it was about, they can tell you. I'm sure of it. They are just crazy. And there are a lot of different theories around why this is. This is a bit of a tangent. I'm not going to talk about children hive mind. The most noble one is simulation theory. Oh, you think it's that? I, I thought you were going to say like closer to. Well, there's also that the other plane or whatever it is you know yeah. what i mean like when you're close Everyone's to death from one you're, you're next to nothingness and then like when you're close to birth you know what i mean yeah that's definitely a theory but one of them as well is that simulation theories that people are all programmed with the same sort of memories and, and dreams or similar ideas but i'm saving simulation theory as a topic for the future i do want to talk about it at some point um it makes me quite anxious so i haven't talked about it yet I will talk about it some other day. Why do you do this podcast? Uh, well, I find it very interesting. Fair. No, it's one of those topics. You might have them as well. Do you ever have topics where you're like, oh, that's really good. I'll save it. Not so much anymore, to be honest. I was just like, what am I saving it for? Christmas? Christmas. Yeah. Well, the obvious, as I said, is that you're not used to seeing them empty. Which is something that you said. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like when you're at the dentist, when you see the dentist in like the shop and you're like, this isn't the dentist's office. Oh, like when you were young and you saw a teacher doing their shopping and you were yeah. like, oh, that's gross. But some people theorize that you're experiencing a reality shift when you're in a liminal space. So reality is not behaving as it's supposed to be. And you're standing on the threshold between two realities. So time doesn't move right. And things don't change. So you're basically just vibing nowhere. Which sounds kind of sweet. Like, I a suppose, little scary, but... But then when you come out of them, you're in the same reality as you were in before. You know what I mean? Time has still passed. Although it doesn't feel like it is. Just you and me simply vibing nowhere. Pretty cool though, right? This without us doing the podcast in is a liminal space. <laughs> yeah. So your problems and the small issues happening in the world, they don't really feel like they exist because you aren't feeling them in the same reality as you're in at the minute. I still get anxiety attacks in a in a motorway service station. Is it because it feels weird in there? No, it's because oh. I'm like, I've still got the journey. <laughs> so people like to think of it as the time when you're like drifting in and out of sleep at like 4am, early hours of the morning, the rest of the neighbourhood's still sleeping, and it seems like there's no boundaries between reality, time, space and thoughts. Everything's just kind of mashed potato, and you aren't really sure what's real and what's not. Like when you wake up from a dream and you don't know whether you're in a dream or not, and you're really confused because you were just existing somewhere, and now you're existing in a different place again. I love this because I don't experience that. I am ripped out of my dreams into the real world or I basically came back to life from being dead. And I know that you, for example, have a really hard time drifting out of dreams and into reality. I have spoken to you many a time and you've made zero sense. But I don't experience that. I've never really woken up confused. See, I wake up confused every single day of my life. You just, you don't stop being confused though, and that's the thing. <laughs> I have very deep sleeps where I have incredibly vivid dreams in places that I could draw now. Well, same though. 
And then I, when I wake up, it feels like I have lived years in that dream. And I don't know where I am for the first like three minutes of waking up. I'm like, um, I have to go to the party. I owe that guy money. And then I'm like, what? Wait, what? Yeah, like sometimes I'll wake you up and you're like, I can't believe you've left to get shoes without me. And I'm like... You're like, I'm awake. I shouldn't be hanging with you. Yeah. But I'm just a dream person. I can talk about dreams forever. (laughs) Now, stay with me, because this is obviously kind of a vague concept that we're talking about. Nope. But there's also the, the idea that these places exist in the dream world, wherever that may be. So, as I said, I could talk about dream theories all day. Comment if you want a 12-hour dream stream. But <laughs> dream stream. lots of people think okay, that we visit promo. different dimensions and worlds when we sleep. So sometimes we you'll do. have the same dream as somebody else. Astral bar. Yeah. Or you'll see a photo online where you're sure you visited, and then a hundred other people are like, I've been there. Yeah, you're just in a different plane. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. Obviously, everyone knows that I used to be a barmaid, right? Because all I used to do is slag it off. But when I was working there and like for a few months after I stopped working there, when I would go to bed, I would dream that I was in this bar. Never been to this bar in my life. Never seen this bar on media or whatever, because I'm not often looking up photographs of bars. And I was working there and I would fucking clock in every night to my shift. I was at work in the astral realm bar You've been hiding the astral bar. I was, and I was awful. I was just so... If I've served you a dodgy pint in the astral bar, all I can do is apologise. But I'm sure that other people have experienced me being a shitty waitress in the astral bar. I definitely think there's something weird about dreams. I'm sorry if this is, the, if this is our first podcast that you've listened to because we sound crazy, but I'm sh- <laughs> 100%... You're like, ooh, true crime podcast? Oh, fuck, they're just some high people. <laughs> no, I think um, it's... I think there's something definitely odd about dreams, man. I don't know exactly what it is, but dreams are fucking weird. You must go somewhere. I've seen people who've been like, oh, I've had the same dream as someone, and then I've never met them, and then I've, I've met them because of the dream. We've been like, we should meet in real life, and then they'll meet. Or I've seen people be like, if you have lucid dreams, and then I've never done this, and then you say to someone, like, I'm dreaming, they'll just all stop. All the people in the dream, they'll just stop. They'll See, just stand there, like they're glitching. I had a lucid dream once. and Was it I... when you were Timmy Turner from Fairly Odd Parents? Yeah. You act cool, but this is how I know you. <laughs> Look, it was really cool, all right? And I got everything I ever wanted. That's pretty sick. I've only ever had lucid nightmares. It was a large fries and a chocolate shake. And I was a child. I was, I was at least less than 11 years old, all right? Yeah. So, child... Anyway, I said, because I didn't want my babysitter to look after me, right? Vicky? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look, I don't know how well-versed everyone is in Fairly Odd Parents, so I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to make it accessible okay. to all here, Ab. I didn't want my babysitter to look after me because she was icky. Um, icky Vicky? Icky Vicky. <laughs> Odd moose. Wait, what's the thing? <laughs> Guava juice. Wait, how does it start? I don't know. Anyway, and then I was like, wait, I don't have to be looked after because I'm dreaming. And Cosmo and Wanda did not react. Oh. So it was fine. 
And then I was like, I'll have this, please. And they're like, okay. Did you say Cosmo and Wanda, I'm dreaming? I don't think I named them. But I was like, oh, wait. You, sir. <laughs> you there, green man. I am dreaming. No, I think I was just like, oh, I don't need to be very sad because I'm dreaming. I'm Timmy Turner. You joking? But was it a thought or did you say it? I can't remember because I was less than 11. Green moose, guava juice, giant snake, butter cake, large fries, chocolate shake. Yeah, I... I don't know, because I've only ever had lucid nightmares. And my nightmares, I think I've mentioned this, they only get lucid enough where I'm like, I'm having a nightmare, I have to wake myself up, and then I jump off, some, off something high, so that I jolt myself awake. I remember and that's, what, about as, that's about as intense as it gets. Shortly after I met you, because I suffer from like pretty bad nightmares, not so much anymore, but definitely when I met you, I was just in a hellish spiral. And she goes to me... I always have nightmares. <laughs> she goes to me, you know how I get out of my nightmares? Because I was like, I can't wake up from them. She was like, you know how I get out of my nightmares? I was like, oh, how, new friend? How do I do this? She was like, just kill myself. I was like, I'm sorry, I beg your pardon? And she was like, yeah, I get lucid enough that I realise I can get out of my dream, so I kill myself. And I was like, why not just make the dream better? <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Why not I just get know rid how of to die? die. <laughs> I don't know how to make myself have a good dream. If I could, I would I would be like Patrick in SpongeBob when he's on that that machine. We are making some weird Sorry, I'm sorry everyone. Weird cuz I'm dreaming. This is a dream, right? This episode isn't going to go live. I'm dreaming that I look this awful. Yeah, me too. I think um if I could have a good dream, I would, but I don't know how. So the only thing I know how to do is to jump from something. Because that's an obvious move right shall we get back to the podcast sorry yeah i'm sorry <laughs> um so what if these places are all just dream places and we all recognize them because we all go to the different places in the dream like what if you saw a photo and it was the astral bar if that's I saw how a photo i feel when i see like the mini golf place if i saw a photo and it was the astral bar i think i'd be sick yeah so the final and strangest idea about liminal spaces is the idea of back rooms that's been popularized on the internet Back so room. the idea of the back room is that you can glitch out of reality and be placed in a different dimension known as the back room. So it's kind of both a theory and also a creepypasta. People have started like posting around. Mm-hmm. So it's described as like a labyrinth of random rooms and halls with like loud yellow fluorescent lights and stained walls and carpets. Like you're just trapped in an eternal waiting room. Perhaps when you die, you go to the liminal waiting room while your fate is being decided. So just purgatory? Kind of, yeah. So people think it might also be, like, in gaming terms, I guess, I don't know how else to phrase it, when you've, like, reached the end of the map and there's nothing else there, there's nothing else to load. So it just looks fake. Oh, like, when (laughs) when you're exploring and you're, like... Oh wow, this door is specifically well decorated. That's where I go. Yeah. And then all of the others are just kind of blank so that you don't yeah. look at them. But then if you do look at them, you're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Like, you ever been somewhere like that in real life? Like, unrendered? Yeah, like an unrendered place. It's like empty and you're like, there should be something in here, but there isn't. That's kind of what this is like. That's how uh, I feel when I'm in these places. Fair enough. So, next time you're in like a. You feel like you're in a video game or you've just like glitched into the next level without being ready for it. Or like if you're in a super bizarre hotel and nothing feels real because it's all just empty and weirdly shaped or you're in a car park of an abandoned store and it's exactly how dreams look, you might be in a liminal space. 
Also, if you have any of those, please let us know. Yeah, or like, sometimes I look out the window when the sky is perfectly blue and it looks like I'm in a painting. Oh, yeah, I have that. And I hate it. With the specific clouds that look like clouds and you're like, clouds don't fucking look like that. We're obviously in a simulation because that's just the same cloud I saw three days ago. Yeah, oh, grow up. I'm not Make a different that. fucking cloud texture. Right? Grow up. <laughs> so do you have, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, have you ever had that? Yeah, I don't, I haven't had so much of a, like, an emotional reaction to it. Like, I'm not scared. Makes I'm me not, sick. I'm not nostalgic. Oh my God, I'm not nostalgic about it. But yeah, yeah, I feel like I've experienced them. Well, I think it's hard to talk about it that makes perfect sense. And like, I'm sorry if you don't know what I'm talking about. I hope you just skipped ahead. But if you didn't, then I hope that you got something out of this. Yeah. Um, but if you go to the subreddit, Liminal Spaces, or you do a quick Google search and like look at the images, you'll get what I'm saying. You might understand it. You might think it's a bit weird, but you probably will get it at least at some point. Like, why do they make me feel like I'm in a fake world? I don't get it. So I wrote that I also get it um, when you go to the airport at 3 a.m. I don't really get it at the airport, but... I was lucky enough to go to the airport a lot as a child. So, and we used to always get an early flight. So I feel like I'm probably just used to it. Like, I feel like it probably made me nostalgic, but because I've actually done it. Right. The worst of all are, we used to have this very scary cinema. It's been developed now. No one was ever in there. And there'd be these long hall. You know when you go to the cinema and there's long hallways and there's like different snack vendors in different places in a large cinema? Mm-hmm. They were always shut. Every single time. Aren't they shut everywhere? Because I think I've only ever seen the main vendor open yeah. in any cinema ever. No one would go to the place and it would just be completely empty. Mm-hmm. And it was scary. Because I was like, this is terrifying. This is not a real place. To be fair though, it was a dodgy area. Yeah. And also, there's a Burger King in town. And you haven't been able to go to the upstairs since you moved here because it's always been shut because of uh, restrictions. Mm-hmm. There's this dingy little upstairs in the Burger King and it is always completely empty. There's like two windows and it's a liminal space, man, I'm telling you. To be honest, though, the Burger King is never exactly full. I think I've only seen like five people in there and it's been like a Friday night. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I have to say on this um, vague concept. I just wanted to bring it up because it makes me feel sick when I think about it. Good. And I want everybody to know, I guess. Fair enough. Are you doing the scare scale? Let's do the scare scale. Oh, why not? Oh, let's just give it a go. Let's How scary do you think liminal spaces are as a concept? I don't think they're scary, but I think a lot of people would disagree with me. So yeah. I'm going to say a three. How dangerous? Has anyone experienced something bad in Fear? a liminal space? Well, that's not dangerous, is it? That's scary. We've done that. So I don't think one, maybe. I mean, I suppose any space is scary. If What's the likelihood it's something weird and not just like an empty place? I don't think you're going to like my answer because I don't think I don't think it's anything weird I hope you see the astral bar on Twitter fuck you I, maybe two because if I saw the if I had proof that one of the I don't know that something weird matched up if I saw the astral bar five you know what I mean something's going on if you see a photo of a weird bar please forward them to us every single every bar you go in We've got ple- we've got listeners all over the world. Where every time you visit a pub, it was it was like a proper like sort of a dark wood bar, and it was in sort of like a U shape. Just to just give everyone some idea, there were stairs, and that's all I remember. Apart from that, I remember behind the bar. 
So mm. it's not going to help anyone. Anyone who works in a pub, send us photos of the pub. Oh my God, please. please. You know what? Just do it. What ideas do you have then? What are liminal spaces, do you think? I think maybe it's that you're not supposed to be there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, possib- I mean, purgatory, why not? Because it does feel like you're waiting for something. Possibly a simulation. I'm really, like, scraping the bottom of the barrel with that, though, because I just don't believe it. Dreams? But you're not in a dream. But what if it's places from a dream that you remember? What if you've travelled there? Every service station. No, that's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, Mm. that's why I've got trouble with it. Maybe, like, a playground or something. Yeah, I suppose write dreams because, like, a couple of them could be... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think they're the ones that like are only now classed as liminal spaces, even though they weren't before. Yeah. Okay. So, that's yeah. That's that's what I have to say to you about that. Now, do you have anything to say to me about how good our podcast is? I think if you like our podcast and you want to see some liminal spaces, if you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can do that at Miss Magic Pod. You can also head over to patreon.com forward slash mythsmagicmurder and you can see our faces in video mode. You can also get extra uncut versions of the podcast. You can see our tiny little mics. And that's it. Well, it's not it. You can also get other stuff like pictures and polls. Actually, these microphones were given to us by our patrons. We funded them. Yeah. Through that. They voted on which ones we should have. Yeah. We listened. It's pretty sick, I, I would think. It is a good time. You've pretty much said everything about Patreon, so I shall just move on to our website, mythsmagicandmurder.com. Over on the website, you can check out the merch. Patrons get a 10% off. We might be looking at finishing some of our ranges soon. Finishing? So go check them out. Yeah, some of the ranges oh, that yeah, we got yeah, on yeah. There. We're ending some stuff and getting some new stuff, right? I was like, oh my god, I just lied. Finish them. Um, yes. Yeah, so you can go check that out over there. And over on our website, we've got a little sort of thing that you can fill out if you want us to talk about something that you find interesting or something interesting that's happened to you. Branching off of that, if you've got any haunted happenings, scary stories or terrifying tales, you can email those over on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. Also, I wanted to say quickly, we've heard you loud and clear and Roger will be making a comeback. And that's all I'm going to say for now. If you know, you know. Wow. And if you don't know, you're highly confused. If you don't know, go back and listen to the earlier ones. Don't. <laughs> Ignore the mic quality and understand Roger. Okay, I'm going to move on before we continue to just chat shit this That's whole episode. Okay. That's okay. My sources are historicmysteries.com, thoughtcatalogue.com, unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com, listverse.com, wikipedia, unsolved.com, and mentalfloss.com. Alrighty then. Let me tell you all about Circleville before I get into the letters at all. Circleville is a city in Pickaway County, Ohio. Has around 14,000 people living there now-ish. They're not entirely sure because they haven't done a census in a while. Do a census. Right? Grow up. Do a census. And it's only about 19 kilometers squared. So it's not very big, especially for America. The reason that it's called Circleville is because the city was laid out to look like a circle from a bird's eye view as part of a tradition dating all the way back to the first centuries CE, or AD, as it used to be. Okay. That's cute. Slap bang in the middle of the circle was the courthouse, and it's actually a pretty good-looking town layout. It, it, it's enjoyable. 
I've never looked at a town and been like, wow, that's a good, good layout. I'll pop a photo on Instagram if you want to take a look. Also Facebook and Twitter, probably. I don't know. It reminds me of one of those <laughs> roller coaster builder games or town builders. Like I love those. Whatever floats your boat. Both. Well, you just start off putting the basics down, right? You go through the tutorial, it asks you to do that. And then halfway through, you're like, oh man, I wanted this to look way nicer. So you bulldoze everything and make it into a really nice shape, but it's totally impractical. I do it all the time. Yeah. With Tropico, with mm-hmm. The Sims. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of totally impractical, that's what residents said in 1837, only 23 years after it was named Circleville. So they squared off the circle to make it more regular and convenient. Squirkleville? Yeah. It's still called Circleville, but it is basically Squirkleville. Because, <laughs> like, Americans do the grid system. It's like they? blocks. Yeah. So they kind of tried to build that in while keeping a circle so they don't have to change the whole name. That sounds very easy. In the UK, we don't have anything like God that. God help you if you find anything through our mazes of alleyways. There's just alleyways, there's big streets, little streets, there's box. country roads. Everything's just coming off each other. People, I'm sure that it was just built, there was no plan. People no. were just like, I'm going to put a shop here. And then they were like, okay, I'm going to put a house here. And then now we're just... Everything's everywhere. Yeah. Tech directions are difficult. It, you're it's like, rough. I imagine it's easy being like, oh, just go two blocks that way. None of that here. You go left past the chicken shop. Then you go past the cow. Yeah, we. I feel like we use a lot the more like, oh, you've got to go past the Odeon, left at Boots, right at Mackey's, and then down the hill towards the Specsavers. Very British thing that I just <laughs> reminded myself of. When, this is a tangent, I'm sorry, when we were kids, my sister used to go to dance shows and my mum... Used to go to what? Dance shows. Like, she used to dance when she was a teenager. Dance. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't understand. People understand. And we were taken, we would drive there and it was before, like, Google Maps was a common thing. My mum used to use regular maps and get lost. And we were driving and my mum had to remember the way there by remembering all of the different pub names on the way. So she knew how to get past, like, which, which roads to go down. Because she'd remember them by rhyming something with the pub. That's fab. It's because there were, like, 15 pubs. You know... Didn't work because we got lost on the way back and couldn't get back till like, 3am. You know, like, maps existed, though, right? Like, actual, like, handheld maps. That was a thing. No one has a map of St. Ellen's. Okay. Message the podcast if you have a map of St. Helens. (laughs) No, but final fun fact about Circleville. They painted one of their water towers to look like a pumpkin. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. It's very sweet. She looks like her name would be Kim. Kim the pumpkin. Pumpkin. You said that just for that stupid joke. I did, yeah. I have no regrets. So anyway, sorry that I gave you so much history, but it wouldn't be a story from me if I didn't. So moving forward a little way ahead... This is set in the 70s. Yay! The good old 70s where no one locked a door, children walked home on their own, and nothing scary ever happened in America. Mm. Of course. (laughs) So anyway, of course awful stuff was happening, and Circleville was not immune to this. It's actually crazy how much bad stuff was happening in the 70s. I know, it's almost like it was happening the whole time and police only got good then. Mm. Anyway, it's the summer of 1976, and Mary... Gillespie, I believe. Gillespie? 
Gillespie? I don't know. I'm going with Gillespie. She was a local bus driver, and she got a letter through her door. That's nice. Had no return address, and it wasn't signed, but she opened it anyway. Probably thinking it was some good news from an old friend. Spoiler, it wasn't. That's quite sad, actually. It read, <coughs> Stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about knowing him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified and everything will be over soon. Well, that's just horrific, isn't it? I know, yeah. Imagine you open a letter thinking it's, I don't know, Bill. Not William. <laughs> like a council tax bill. Mm. <laughs> and it's that. So the Massey involved was a superintendent at one of the local schools. So this letter's basically like, Mary, I know you're sleeping with this guy behind your husband's back. Her husband is Ron. And you need to stop or bad things will happen. Obviously, Mary was pretty shaken, but kept the letter hidden away from everyone, hoping that this would be the only one that she would receive. Well, it's kind of hard because you're trying to keep that a secret. You don't want to tell your husband and be like, I'm afraid. Well, she... Trying to keep what a secret? That she was having an affair? She claims that she was not having an affair. Okay. So she, But she's just obviously spooked, which I feel like is a natural response, right? Yeah. However, only eight days later, she received another letter very similar to the first. Very similar in terms of, like, how it was written, how it looked, and the content in it. Still basically being like, look, I know you're still shagging this guy. Stop. Okay. And still, she kept it hidden. Ron found out, though, just two weeks after this, because he received his own letter. When the Circleville writer could see they weren't getting anywhere by just sending them to Mary, sent a letter to Ron saying, Defender, you are also a pig, and that he should end his wife's affair with Gordon Massey, as he'd had two weeks to, to put a stop to it and done nothing. It said to admit the truth and inform the school board, because obviously Gordon was a superintendent. And if not, they'd go to the media, broadcasting it on CBS, posters, signs and billboards until the truth came out. Why would CBS air that? And Ron would die. Maybe they'd air that. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, why would the school board care that this superintendent is having an affair with the bus driver? Yeah, they're both of age. No one's going to care. I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. Anyway, it wasn't just Ron and Mary getting the scary letters, though. Apparently, thousands of these letters were sent to the locals of Circleville, making everyone turn on each other in the small town where just a few weeks prior, everyone knew everyone and most of the people got along. Ron received another letter after a couple weeks saying that he was being watched, that his car was being monitored and that he would die. The car, the, the cars, the letters kept sporadically coming through to the Gillespie household and the writer even started posting signs around town saying that Gordon Massey was having a sexual relationship with Ron and Mary's 12-year-old daughter, Tracy. Oh my gosh. Obviously, this infuriated Mary and Ron and Ron would wake up early every morning to take them down before his daughter went to school every day. Then one day in August 1977, so nine months after the letters have began... Did they confirm that wasn't happening? I think so. I think they were like, oh my God, why would this be happening? But no one knows. Mm. 
Because it's just he said, she said, isn't it? Right. Then one day in August 1977, so nine months after the letters began, Ron got a phone call. He answered, had an irate phone conversation, grabbed his pistol, got into his car and drove away. Ooh. On his way out, he said goodbye to his children and that he was going to deal with the Circleville writer. Oh, I've written Circle View, as if I've not said it a million times oh, already. Circle View. Just a couple of hours later, Ron's body was found. Oh my god, no, Ron. His truck had hit and subsequently wrapped itself around a tree on an intersection that Ron knew well and that was close to his home. Oh. When police arrived and looked at the scene, they could see that one bullet was missing from his gun, but there were no casings nearby. Oh my gosh. What does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean? What? While the post-mortem was being performed, the police had managed to eliminate one possible suspect from the case as they'd passed a polygraph test, but they wouldn't say who the suspect was. And then the medical examiner revealed that Ron's body had 0.16 blood alcohol content, which is nearly twice the legal limit in Ohio. Oh my gosh. So the police just ruled the death an accident and no further investigation was conducted. This seems pretty normal, but it didn't sit well with Ron's family and friends. It is a bit suspicious. Well, he was never a heavy drinker. And some claimed he was actually teetotal at the time. Hmm. Plus... He had left the house only shortly before being found and didn't seem drunk and wasn't seen drinking beforehand. Right. Ron's death didn't make the letters stop, though. They continued in full force, suggesting that Sheriff Radcliffe had been involved in a cover-up of Ron's death. Paul Freshour, or Freshour, agreed with this. So, Paul and Karen... Are together. Okay. And Karen is Ron's sister. Okay. So Paul is the stepbrother. Okay. Uh, okay. No. Stepbrother? Brother-in-law. That's what I meant. Yes, I know what you meant. Okay. So Paul Freshour agreed with this, saying that when he'd spoken to the sheriff after Ron's death, he'd said that he thought foul play was involved. But when he was next asked, he completely denied having said that and agreed that Ron's death was an accident. Strange. So the sheriff's like flip-flopping around here. Mary ended up admitting to Karen that she was actually having an affair with Gordon, but said this only happened after the letters began. Which made me wonder, like, did she read you're having an affair with Gordon Massey and take it as some kind of instruction? Or maybe she thought, wow, now there's a good idea. Maybe she was like, well, I mean, I kind of wanted to. And everyone thinks I am. I might as well just do it anyway. Yeah, but it seems strange to me that you'd start doing what a letter said you were doing afterwards. That is strange. Right? That's how we started this podcast. Someone said, I know your podcast is shit. And I said, we should start a podcast. We should start a shit podcast. Yeah. Specifically. <laughs> I think we've achieved it, honestly. Okay. Live your dreams, manifest it. We can finish now. Um, I, yeah, that is very strange, though, if you got a letter being like, right? I know you buy blue shoes, and you're like, great idea. Yeah, like, I don't buy blue shoes. I've never bought blue shoes. But what now a you mention it. Yeah, it seems a bit weird. Especially with an affair. That's quite an intense thing to just start doing. Right? After a letter Especially since it. Ron would have known 
Maybe she was like, well, I wanted to do it beforehand, but I thought Ron would find out. That's what I mean, but now I've denied it, and Ron seems that like seems like he Ron's believes believing me. me. So now I'll just do. I don't know. It seems weird. It does right? seem quite strange. Also, like, surely you'd be threatened to do that. Yeah, surely if you'd be like, like someone's watching me. Yeah, they think I'm doing this. If I start doing it, everyone's gonna know. Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, but we can only take what she said as the truth. Yeah, we don't know anything really, do we? We're just some idiots. Apart from this, Mary continued on as normal. She still had to look after her children and drive the bus routes and deal with letters coming through the door addressed to her and her daughter at this point. Give it up, man. And she still had to look at posters every day that had been put up by the Circleville writer. Some signs threatened her life. Others threatened her daughter. And one day she was like, you know what, I've had enough. She was driving the bus and she pulled it over and removed one of the signs. Nearby, she noticed a box tied to another post with string. And she was like, that's weird. Grabbed the box after untying it, took it back to the bus, and had a look inside. Once there, she opened the box and found herself looking down the barrel of a pistol. Oh my gosh. Someone had left a booby trap for Mary on the side of the road. Luckily, it was so poorly constructed, it hadn't gone off. Oh, that makes the other death very suspicious. Obviously, the police got involved and tried to trace the gun's serial number, which someone had given a poor attempt to file off. Guess who the gun was registered to? Who? Paul Freshour. Is he the... The brother-in-law. <gasps> yeah. He claimed the gun had been stolen months earlier, but the police were like, you didn't make a report, and he was like, oh yeah, I was gonna... Hmm... Months earlier. I would If I had a gun and it had been missing for like a day, I'd be like... My gun's gone. Yeah, so what if someone murders someone with that gun? Yeah, it's a sketchy thing to steal. It's not mm. like someone stole your shoes and you were like, I have to... Not your blue shoes that you've just started wearing. I know, I ha- my new blue shoes! You'd <laughs> Elvis be like... Oh my God. You'd have to, you know, you could be like, oh, I'll, just, I'll sort it out. Yeah, I mean, even if it's your phone, you'd be like, ah, I'll find it, it'll be somewhere. A gun goes missing. Sort that out. Yeah. So anyway, the police were like, okay, well, we'll get you to do a handwriting test then to prove that it, it was you. Police were happy that it was close enough to the letters to arrest him for attempted murder. Get wrecked, man. Although just as a side note on the handwriting test. Yeah, these things are always a bit suspicious. Paul claims that when the police were getting him to write... They had provided him with samples from the letters themselves and asked him to copy it as closely as he could. Well, that's not how you do it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Although there was barely any evidence, Paul was sentenced to 25 years in prison and found guilty because it was a small town and everyone had already convinced themselves of the verdict before anything happened. (sighs) Damn. While Paul was in prison, he was the model prisoner. None of the wardens thought he'd done it. And there were still letters being received. And he was in prison. So then the police were like, well, it's definitely him. It's still him. He's just sending letters from prison. So they put him in solitary confinement. And letters were still arriving around town. And the police were like, it's still him. Sounds like a cover-up. And one day he received a letter. Oh. Saying... Fresh hour, 
Now, when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there? I told you two years ago, when we set them up, they stay set up. Won't you listen at all? No one wants you out. No one. The joke is on you. Ha <laughs> ha. Tell no one of this letter. I saw the paper. Great news. Great. The sheriff loved it. Ha <laughs> ha. Do you believe it now? Do you? And that was it. What an annoying letter. Right? It feels like it was written by like an eight-year-old and they were like, I'm there yet, I'm there yet. You know what I mean? I just, oh, I punched that letter right in the face. Paul was paroled in 1994 and maintained his innocence until he died in 2012. The letters stopped in the early 1990s and were basically never seen from again. My goodness, that was the loudest bird in the world. It's believed that the final letter was actually sent to Unsolved Mysteries, the TV show, when they were doing a segment on the letters. The postcard they received said, Forget Circleville, Ohio. If you come to Ohio, you L sickos will pay. With a sign-off from the Circleville writer. So who could it have been? It could have been David Longberry, which is who Mary originally thought it was. He was a bus driver too, and the pair had worked together. Previously, he'd asked her out romantically, and she'd turned him down. Ever since, he'd been resentful towards Mary, and she thought this could be his version of payback. Hmm. However, Mary and Ron went over to Ron's sister and husband, so Karen and Paul again, to ask for help. Back when Ron was alive, obviously. Karen knew about the letters, and all five of them, I don't know who the other fifth one is, but I've been told it's five. They crafted a letter to David, saying that they knew it was him and asking him to stop. The letters stopped for a few weeks, so the plan seemed to have worked. Obviously, though, as we know, they didn't stop. And this particular suspect, David, went on to not have the best history after that, like in the late 90s. He, uh, he was a bit sick. Alternatively, it could have been William Massey, Gordon Massey's son. This would make sense as some of the letters were signed with a W at the bottom and he would have had reason for Mary. He, he, he didn't want Mary to see his dad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because his dad should have been with his mum in his eyes. Paul Freshour sent some letters to William Massey as well, basically saying to stop sending the letters. And again, they stopped for a few weeks, but it was at the same time so it could have been either of them. And there's also a report from Mary the day that she found the booby trap. She said that a yellow Al Camino was parked at the very intersection, sorry, El Camino, was parked at the very intersection that she was at, and a man who looked nothing like Paul was stood nearby pretending to urinate. Quite how she knew he was pretending? I don't know, I feel like I don't... Personally... Someone whips their cock out. Oh my god, Kate. <laughs> Why have you just said that? I'm not looking at it. Do you know what I mean? I guess, yeah. Do well, you watch people pee? No, of course I don't. There you go. I'm, disgust I'm disgusting. <laughs> That's me, disgusting Abby. Watching people piss for fun. But <laughs> I'm going to take that out of context so bad. The police never followed up on this lead. It's possible, of course, that Mary was actually in on the letters. 
Some people believe that she and Gordon were the ones to rid themselves of Ron so they could be together. See, that that seems like it could be happening. People are also a little sceptical that the one sign she went to rip down was the one that was booby-trapped with a gun. Yeah, from see, her I was brother thinking, in law. how do you know? Especially since she was working at the time. Mm. She pulled the bus over to go to that specific sign. That is a bit suspicious. Also, if I saw a box next to a sign, I'd leave that shit alone. That's not my box. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless it's it said, now. Dear Mary, I'm not picking that up. It, I mean, Mary. if it said, um, well, if I was Mary, if it said, Dear Mary, I would definitely leave it alone. Because I'm like, that's a booby trap. Hmm. So, what if it was a Krispy Kreme box? Oh, if it was a Krispy Kreme box, I'm ripping that bitch <laughs> open. Give me those glazed originals. So, I was wondering, I don't know if you're wondering, there were thousands of letters sent to the whole of Circleville. Were any other of the letters correct? Yes. Oh. So, obviously, Mary and Gordon were having an affair. Like, we're just ignoring what she said. I think they had an affair. But also, Roger Klein who was a prosecutor prosecutor, prosecutor in Paul's case, he was attacked by a letter saying that he'd got a school teacher pregnant, which was true. Oh. Also, the Circleville writer said that Ray Carroll, who was the coroner, was a paedophile. This was found to be true in 1993. Who would know all of that? Those are just the highest profile ones. Like, there are probably more letters, but obviously, like, if you've been attacked by a letter and it's telling the truth, you're probably not going to tell anyone. Hmm. But yeah, it turns out that the Circleville writer actually knew what they were talking about. And it's interesting as well that the coroner, who I'm presuming it was the county coroner, so I'm presuming it would have done the, the car tree death, right? And the prosecutor for Paul, who we believe is falsely imprisoned, were both attacked by the Circleview writer, the Circleville writer. Do you know what I mean? Like they were all related to it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Will crime stop? <laughs> can we stop committing crimes for one minute? You Come on, guys. Resume. Yeah, we can finish this once we're done with the podcast. We'll cover it. Sirens in the distance. If you can't hear them. <laughs> so I'm thinking, right... If Paul got a letter in prison being like, I told you this was going to happen two years ago, I think Paul was set up by the Circleville writer and they had dirt on the coroner and on the prosecutor to frame Paul. Paul. And that's my two cents. Who do you think did it? I don't know. I think possibly Mary, but also I don't know why no one's suspecting um, Gordon's wife. See, I was originally thinking Gordon's wife, if he knew that he was, if she knew that he was having an affair. Yeah. Also, it could be Mary or his wife because all of these things are also related to children or parents in some ways, right? Coroner? Wasn't he a paedophile? Oh, yeah. No, I'm saying. Oh, she like knows you might the, know. Right? She knows the person who's the teacher. He's a teacher, right? Or a superintendent. He's in a school. Yeah, he's a superintendent. Yeah, that's related to a school, right? So he would know yeah. all the shit that's happening at the school. Mm, I, I don't think they're there constantly. It's like... Um, I was just thinking because like, the school teacher's pregnant, people that reported stuff at the school. I like your train of thought, but... <laughs> it's too vague. <laughs> if you think about The Simpsons, 
That guy that was like, Skinner! Steamed hams. He's the superintendent. So he's not there all the time. Right. So he'll come in and do visits. Ah, I'm thinking Mary had kids. His wife, um, I've just entirely forgotten his name. The guy that she was having an affair with, Massey's wife, had a kid. Mums know everything. Mums do. Mums are crazy. Mums are like a little clique. They know everything and everyone. It's the same as like people on the streets. They know everyone. And they know all of the drama going on. So you're right, maybe they were doing it. Maybe it's like a, a proper gossip girl type thing. Maybe they were in on it together. Maybe. It's interesting that this person would know about all of these things, though. Right? Thousands of letters got sent out. And why would you kill someone? Because that's a pretty suspicious death. I mean, I guess we can't say 100% that it was... If it was Mary, for example, she's the one that said he left and didn't seem drunk. Yeah. So we've got to trust her. Mm. Because apart from that, you've just got the word of kids. Kids just say stuff. Yeah. You can... I mean, you can put memories in other people's heads anyway, let alone kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very complicated. It is. I have no idea what to think about that. Well, too bad, because I'm giving you the scare scale. How scary do you think it must have been? Five. Right? That's horrific. You'd be so afraid that some dirt was going to come out on you. You'd be thinking about everything you've done wrong. I don't think I even done anything bad and I would still be scared. Right? Oh my God, what are people going to say about me? How dangerous. Three. Right? Because I feel like, I don't know, in some ways I'm like, he was killed. And in other ways I'm like, was he though? Even if he wasn't, the gun in the box is still... There was, an attempt was made. Mm, True. Maybe it could have been his kid because a, a, a younger person would make a poor trap. I don't know. I've met like a lot of older people that don't really know much about rigging up a booby trap to shoot someone in the face. True, but it feels like... I don't, I don't know. It feels like a rookie mistake. I know what you mean. Yeah. I would make that mistake. <laughs> Was it you? <gasps> I'm simply just saying. Um, what is the likelihood that it was Paul? I don't think it was. No. Two. See, because if they were still getting sent while he was in prison... Yeah. Well, in one of the first letters, I think it says we. Yeah, I guess he could have been involved, yeah. And we're ignoring the fact that, like, first of all, everything that I saw online said he when they were talking about this, and I was like, you fools. Like, that is the first thing. If murder mysteries have taught me anything, it's that it's a woman when you don't think it is. Mm. And also, it can be a group of people that are out to get different things from this one thing. It could have been Paul and Mary. Do you know what I mean? A group is a good way to think about things, and people don't do that. Same with women, because I think when people say he, because a lot of serial killers and stuff, people who've done crimes in the media tend to be men. Oh, yeah. I think then you automatically just assume every single time. Yeah. And it's hard for you to be like, hey, it was his wife. Because the whole time you're like, well, they said that he's look- they're looking for him. So it's probably it's yeah. a guy. It's like, that's not necessarily true. We don't know that. Yeah. I think it's, it's more likely to be two people as well or like more people because what one person is going to know all this dirt? I'm not being funny. What one person can get out that many letters without... Getting carpal tunnel. <laughs> <It's a lot laughs> less. But they'd all have the same handwriting, right? 
Unless one person is the spy, one person is the writer. Honestly, Ab, I don't know. I have, honestly, Kate, I have no idea what we're doing here. I'm just thinking... Circles are happening. In, in, terms, in terms of the actual letters themselves, there's like four photographs of four of the letters that you can find online. That's it. That's irritating. Yeah. So I don't know what the, others le- what the other letters look like. I don't know what they're accusing people of. I've just got to go with what I've got. Well, let us know what you think. What are your ideas? Oh, my ideas are it, two people. Yep. It could have been um, the lady. What was her name? Mary. Mary. It could have been that guy's wife. I can't remember anyone's name. Yep. Could have been his kid. Yep. It could have been someone just trying to create some chaos. A nosy person. <laughs> Miscellaneous nosy person. Nosy person. Okay, anything else? No. Okay, well that's pretty much what I was thinking. Maybe not the nosy person, but... Yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, and please give us a review on iTunes. Do it. If you give us anything less than five stars, though, we'll come get you. We'll find out some dirt on you. I'll do a a crappy booby trap right outside your house. (laughs) And on that note, don't listen before bed. Listen before bed.